0: because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America.
2: Donald Trump has become the first former US president with a mugshot, and what a mugshot it is. Trump, who, as you know, faces 13 felony counts in Georgia related to a silly little incident where he simply tried to overturn the state's 2020 election result, as you do, was booked Thursday at Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. And boy, did he not look happy about it. The mugshot that has memed all around the world arrived a day after the first Republican primary debate, which he skipped. Can you really blame the guy? With a lead bigger than his charge sheet, Trump is currently the party's front runner for the 2024 presidential nomination. Here to comb over, no pun intended, but pun very much enjoyed, is the Sunday Business Post, legend herself, and our friend, Marion McYohn. All jokes aside, Marion, I wondered what was the point of this mugshot? Like, he's not going to abscond, he can't fly away in his Trump jet and not be spotted. I get that this is equal treatment in the eyes of the law, but doesn't it just serve as a kind of totem for his supporters and set him up even further as this political martyr?
1: Well, you know, I think that you could, there are two ways looking at this. And the first one, you're absolutely right, because when they didn't do the mugshot in New York, what do the Trump people do? They made up, they faked up a mugshot mm. in which they made him six foot five, gave him a halo <laughs> yep. and put him up against, as, you know, one of those sort of things that signifies your height, hence the six foot five. And, um, and then underneath had not guilty. And every Trump event I've been at for the last several months, there have been people everywhere wearing these Trump fake mugshot T-shirts. Now they have the real thing. So <laughs> it will no doubt um, help with their merchandising, uh, Lara Bush, uh, Trump's daughter-in-law, she was on in a pretty cross way saying, oh yeah, well, you know, of course we're going to use it for merchandising. Only in Trump world is a mugshot seen as a good thing, as a thing that you yeah. can make money out of. Like literally, I don't think there's another world in the world where, as I say, the first thought that comes to the minds of the inner circle is, okay, how much can we make out of this? It's a mugshot. Yeah, well, um, it, it yeah. is
2: it is Trump's world, and we're all living in it. Yeah. It's like whether the, we it, like it shows. Not, the, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it shows the hand that we already knew. I mean, he's got his cards laid out flat on the table. He's not holding them to his chest. That is the plan. Yep. And would you imagine that that was a rehearsed look? Because it, it did look very much like <laughs> strike a pose.
1: It's like, you know, when you play with kids and you go... Put on your scary face, or you know, put on your mean face, or whatever. And there's like kind of a "Mm, look at me, look at me being scary. And I just one
2: eyebrow up, yeah.
1: But it's the scowl from beneath the eyebrows, but the hair is perfect. And you know, Mm. the bits I laughed at, okay. Were um, And this may be mean, but who cares? Uh, so the first bit was uh, that he is now six foot three. So at the grand old age of 77, he's grown at least an inch and a half in the past couple of months, because in New York, he was listed as six foot two and 240 pounds. He is now six foot three and 215 pounds, which means he should look exactly like Jerry Ringrose from the Irish rugby team. What, because a, what he's a, also What a
2: turnaround. A,
1: He's also six foot three. In my spare time, Charlotte, I check out the statistics of the Irish rugby team. What can I say? <laughs> uh, anyway, Ring
2: uh, will love this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Peter O'Malley, who is six foot three also. And I think it's about 100, he might be two or three pounds heavier than Trump. But I don't see Trump looking like either of these guys. If this is what six foot three and 215 pounds looks like, well, Trump ain't it. But then I did also laugh at the hair, blonde or straw. I just thought <laughs> you that's
2: what he and he gave these was, these statistics. Yeah, was, he was not weighed, yeah, or they oh did no, not give him hair color. He wasn't weighed. Him they that they
1: didn't. Color. get was scaled, and they didn't. Yeah, they didn't get out the color chart and go. Hmm, we can't really decide. Are you blonde or strawberry? Let's go with both. Yeah, yeah. This was all Trump's doing, and I just thought the vanity of the man. Mm. And yet he does that ridiculous face that looked like. You said like he'd been practicing it in front of a mirror for probably for days beforehand to try and get, you know, sufficiently menacing and don't mess with me. And, you know, I'm a fighter, et cetera, et cetera. And also knowing
2: it's going on every T-shirt they release.
1: And they've already photoshopped it onto. They had all these blank cups and coolers and mugs and things. And they, they within three minutes of it being made public on the Trump merch site, they had it like literally superimposed onto every single merch item that that they had. So they're already selling. They're already selling them before they've <laughs> even had a chance to make them. It's it's kind of staggering, but you know, Charles, it's also profoundly depressing. Exactly because yeah, yeah. you know, like. Uh, we all do god knows you have to you have to get your laughs somewhere but but at the end of the day this is the american president this is somebody who is very likely to be the next republican candidate again and you know there he is a mugshot and you know 91 indictments against him 91 different charges and no contrition, no remorse, no anything other than how do I monetize this? How do I make this work for me? How do I, you know, how do I use this to screw over the Democrats? And and it's, you know, the thing about it is at a certain point, it becomes exhausting. I think America is just weary, weary, weary. And I really thought, I mean, we talk about the debate, um, but I think that it shows in in just that mugshot's kind of an icon you know the way in different eras you have different mugshots usually they're of rock stars or or people yeah. you know like the rolling stones in the 60s with the drug charges or whatever and uh, this is such a perfect shot for the time we're in in america of a lowering belligerent angry you know just it, it it sort of captures the public mood in a really depressing way and i think that's what i found so depressing but i thought god it's so apt it's so apt for the moment we're in that this person is being treated as a hero and a martyr and half the country would probably lay down their lives for him in the morning. Um, and, and you just think, what's happening? Where, where is it all going to end up? Yeah,
2: God, uh, you really capture it really well there, Marion, because it is it is a totemic piece that really made me shake my head in the same way as when, you know, shots were being fired through the chamber door. That you know when this man was right. elected, inverted commas, yeah, there was all sorts of you know fist shaking and uh, the the end is nigh and this man's yep. so dangerous. Did we ever really believe it would come to this? But yet here we are. This is what it has come to. And when you see the mugshot, as much as as I said at the start, it does go it does express that he should be treated the same in the eyes of the law and seeing the Giuliani one and all of these come out, is it's somewhat reassuring in the same way as funerals are sometimes reassuring that there is a process by which we deal with terrible things. Did become realer, the possibility that yes jail is is possible here but when I watched the Tucker Carlson interview I just wondered is that another uh, road that we will careen down just before we get into the detail of it as boring and as bizarre as that interview was did you at all get that kind of fear when he started to suggest that they're going to try and kill me and civil war isn't off the table
1: There's so much crying wolf in America about this. To me, what Tucker Carlson was doing was kind of disgraceful and shocking in that he was after clickbait. He wanted numbers. He wanted people watching his damn Twitter show. And he just wanted, I think, whatever would get the most reaction. So if he says to Trump, are you afraid they're going to kill you? You know, and said it to him twice. And the same with the Civil War. It's like he wanted those answers. The same thing bringing up Epstein. Interesting how Trump skated away from that one. Uh, but, but, um, there, there was, you know, to me, the Tucker Carlson interview was calculated to do one thing, uh, which both Carlson and Trump were agreed on, I think, which was to take the conversation away from the debate. Um, and they both had their own reasons for. It. Carlson, because he was fired by Fox News, and Trump actually, because he was fired by Fox News as well, in a different way. And they both yeah. had their Fox News grudge to, you know, that they had that axe to grind between them, and they sat there like, these two fat men in a sauna. I'm sorry, but, what, what? Trump's locations, this was filmed in Bedminster, and it looked like and sort of a weird little sauna that you might buy in woodies and fix, you know, yeah, put it, it up Yeah, it yourself. reminded
2: me of where they do the interview with the winner of the Augusta Masters yeah. after they've been presented with the green jacket. It was so sedate well, and sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: thought, I thought it was literally like some, you know, rickety old sauna that you'd throw up in your back garden or, you know, in a, a really cheap department store, the sort of place where you'd have a Santa. You know, you should have. Oh, okay, and yeah, the yeah. Problem. I didn't get that yeah. from it.
2: I, I, I wasn't examining the background, but I, I know what you mean. It did, but yeah. it had a vibe. Just, we'll yeah. get to later. Yeah. We'll discuss it a bit more in detail because obviously, yeah. the other event, which is far more, I guess, needs to be talked about an awful lot more, is. The primary debate, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former Vice President Mike Pence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, businessman Vivek Ramosham, Ram, Mesh, how, how am I getting Ramos that wrong? Are
1: you, he, Ramaswamy. <laughs> how are you getting that wrong? The okay. most, it's little the most Googled little, name in America at the moment. Exactly.
2: <laughs> former UN ambassador, we may as well go through them, Nikki Haley, uh, Senator Tim Scott. And North Dakota Governor Doug Bergman, they jousted, brawled, and scrapped at this first presidential primary debate on Fox, as you said, Wednesday in Milwaukee. Now, I've heard countless sources say that Vivek won this. But is that actually what happened, Marion? What is your view of the whole debate overall?
1: Well, do you know, at the risk of sounding like, you know, when people say define winning, if you define winning, as being the person who the most people wanted to punch on stage than he wanted. because I wanted to punch him. I think everyone wanted to punch him. I'm an
0: entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. I did it while marrying my wife Apoorva, raising our two sons following our faith in God, that is the American dream. And I am genuinely worried that that American dream will not exist for our two sons and their generation unless we do something about it.
1: He is so, and that is, he is, the first time I came across him, I think we chatted about him was at CPAC when he just was on stage and it was like, he was like a kid that had just been given Way too much sugar. You know, those kids at weddings or something and their parents just let them run riot and everyone wants. To just oh, stop. yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, he was like one of those that you want to go, for Christ's sake, could somebody get him <laughs> and put him in a corner somewhere? And he he was really, I think, the same in the debate. He came on and his he had one goal. He knows he ain't never going to be president of America. I think that's a given. I think he knows that. And I think also he knows that he ain't never going to be Trump's vice president either, although Trump loves him, but that's just not going to work as a dynamic. Uh, So anyway, I think that what what he wants to do is to just get as much attention for himself. He's a bit like there are so many of them. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Jim Jordan, Matt Gaetz, they're all media whores. And they just want as much attention. They want the camera, the camera, the camera. Having said that, though, he had that knack. He was kind of like a Trump version too. You know, the Trump, much and all, as, as it's so unedifying to listen and watch to him at times, he has the knack of just putting people in their boxes with a couple of words and and that and, and so many times where and like they were all jumping up and down on, on Ramaswamy's head. Like you had Mike Pence, you had Chris Christie, who I thought might actually punch him at one point, Nikki Haley, et cetera, et cetera. And he just turned around and he didn't care. And that even his line to Nikki Haley, where, you know, when he came out with his this stuff about Ukraine, which was chilling, wrong and awful and Nikki Haley deservedly took him to task and then he said to her oh well I hope you enjoy your new job on the on the board of Lockheed which is of course America's number one defense contractor and he's so bloody irrepressible it doesn't matter what you say to me just bounces back same with Christie when he said he was chat GBT GBTP and you know once Well, but but that that's the kind of line that would shut up most rookies for the rest of the night. And he comes straight back at Christie and says, "Oh yeah, well, you know, you know, if you'd have more credibility going on about somebody like Trump being after." And I'm paraphrasing. You know, grievance and vengeance. If your whole campaign wasn't all about, you know, grievance and vengeance against one man and people, you could see Christie almost blanch. Like, her was like, "Shit, you little." Boston, yeah, he got you got him. Like, yeah, you know? Know? no, it, it, it really actually, did remind really me of that person. Him.
2: I think we all have a person in our life at some point who rubs us the wrong way, and you can't even really yeah. articulate what it is. But it's nearly when they start talking, you're like, yeah. I, I'm having a physical reaction to this person. I, I thought, how is this working? And when Chris Christie said, um, I've had enough of a guy who sounds like Chat yep. GPT.
0: Listen, Look, listen, listen, listen! No, Look, wait, no. hold no. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like Chat GPT standing up here. And. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama? And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur (laughs) standing on stage tonight. I
2: actually thought there really is something in that because he is this personification of a young right wing social media kind of poster or troll. Uh, lots and lots of opinions, no experience, actually they, zero backing it up, no he, expertise. He, and such
1: a high opinion of himself, you know, that, that as well, like literally irrepressible.
2: Yeah. Um, but yet it, it put shy Ronnie, Ronnie D in the background. <laughs> uh, you would not have thought that this man was leading the polls of all of these people. Would you? He he really did fade, did he not?
1: You know, it's so bizarre because uh, to me, th- the first thought that I had last night, now this might seem unlikely and I'm probably going to be proven completely wrong, but, but hear me out, um, is that. I remember quite a while ago when we started uh, doing this podcast for Cast first, we spoke about Nikki Haley. And I remember saying to you, you know, I'm not sure that the Democrats will have the first woman president. I think it might be the Republicans. And I actually thought at the time that Nikki Haley, because she's so damn savvy, she's so polished, pretty insincere, you know, and um, will go with whatever, you, you know, we'll, we'll, whatever boat will take her to the place she wants to get to, uh, like all politicians. Um, but I actually thought last night, let's say hypothetically, Trump does get hit in the side of the head by that golf ball, or he does have a Kentucky Fried Chicken Too many between now and next November, or he does end up in jail. Any of those, you know, I think that she could actually, I thought she very skillfully In a way that was, I think, really subtle, uh, managed to navigate the stage in a way where she can get that center. She could be, she had to me last night had the biggest claim and made the best case to the 50%, 55% of Republicans who really don't want Donald Trump who really would rather if he just go the hell away. Um, because to me, she had the fiscal conservative. She was the only one who actually had the goal to, although she did say she'd support him if he was convicted, you know, that's the little safe pledge there. But the only one who had the goal to say, yeah, you know what, Trump ran up an $8, million, $8 trillion deficit in his term. We are spending like crazy too. We are. She had positions on things that were discernible. She had a position on abortion that was a at least pragmatic, where she said to Mike Pence, forget your frigging federal ban because, you know, you're never going to get 60 senators. And, you know, to me, her thing, well, I don't think we should be putting women in jail. I was like, Jesus, well, that's big of you. You know, but, but she did at least seem to have a position that, more people and certainly more conservatives could say, oh my God, there's somebody who's actually quite pragmatic and quite sensible. And one of the interesting fallouts from this was, I was looking up a couple of polls and there was one poll of um, independence in Wisconsin where the debate took place. Now, it's going to be the swing states and it's going to be the independents that decide this election once again. And they chose her as the winner by something like 42%. Wow. So in a weird way, even though, you know, the Washington Post poll chose bizarrely um, Ron DeSantis with Ramaswamy coming in second. Uh, but amongst, and that's where I see her maybe stealing a march down that big center aisle of, you know, moderate Republicans. And really in America, there's no such thing as an independent. Independents are moderate Republicans by another name. You don't hear liberals or progressives ever calling themselves independents. You know, it, it, it's always, as I say, sort of centrist Republicans who describe themselves as independents. And I think that she could, you know, and I think she and quite skillfully last night laid the groundwork for for seeming plausible. And even in in another poll where DeSantis came out as the winner. Uh, The number of people who said they'd consider voting for her went up from something like 27% to 47%. So I would say watch that space, because to me, she was the most skillful person on the stage last night. She has the governor's experience, she has the foreign policy, her her UN ambassador. By God, does well, she beat that stick. But anyway, why not? Uh, but what was interesting to me is like, Republicans talk about Tim Scott. I have never got the Tim Scott thing. I've never understood it. Um, to me, he's just this genial lightweight. And that's exactly what he was last night on stage. He may as well not have been there. You know, I I mean, he just smiled and nodded and smiled and nodded. Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum, I mean, I I, I don't know why they even bothered showing up. They they were beyond irrelevant. So I think that Chris Christie was that angry man from New Jersey. And Ron DeSantis was the malfunctioning robot, you know, once again. Well, Chris Chris Christie did articulate
2: one thing, though, Marion, that I thought was, you he does have that ability to capture things in a sentence And that sentence for me was...
0: Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office
2: of President of the United States. I'm not sure anybody had had said that yet. Um, I I think he knows and you know, everyone knows that he's not going to win this. But how much of that debate was about... Putting the uh, real problem child out of the room, letting the grown-ups have a chat for a while to see, well let can we air things out a little bit without the child interrupting and banging something off the table to see where we get to, in that sense, it, like it was a very useful debate because it was the first time in eight years that the, the problem child wasn't in the room.
1: Yeah. But you know what? And again, to take that analogy a little bit further, it also reminded me of the parents who, when all the kids are in bed, kind of look at each other and go, Jesus, you know, I don't really know what to say to you or I don't even really (laughs) like you. You (laughs) And what the hell are we even doing in the same room? You know, I think that there was a bit of that as well, because one thing that struck me just from a bit of a policy wonk thing is they're all over the place. They haven't got one coherent position on, um, you know, climate change. It's not just young Democrats who are concerned about climate change. It's also young Republicans. Red states are getting burnt. Farmers really care about it. You know, a lot more people. This is not just a blue thing in America now. It's, you know, the the, the whole country is kind of waking up to it a little bit, not nearly enough, but some. And to me, um, you know, having Ramaswamy go, oh, it's all a hoax and 9-11's a hoax and all this... Let
0: Let's be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for
1: it. And, and the reality the is the anti carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. You just want to go oh shut up and sit down. Uh, but um but I think that they were so they hadn't they couldn't articulate a position between them on abortion they were all over the map as well on they had no policies. It's like Donald Trump has completely stripped the Republicans of their identity to such a degree that they just don't know who they are. And they didn't a, really seem to know what they were talking about in any meaningful way in terms of policy. You know, if you took away the insults and the jibes and the whatever, and you really think that, yeah, Trump, you know, and you also got the feeling like everybody's there going, okay, this it's like a fire drill. It's like a fire drill. It's probably never going to happen, and it's certainly not going to happen for another four years because we all know very likely Trump's going to win, but we may as well go through the motions, and I think that there is a little bit of that as well. There was obviously Mm. a bit of auditioning for vice president, you know, because Trump will be a one-term president if he is. If he is the the, the winner, it it will be one term. Uh, And, you know, so I I think that it it almost seemed like just an exercise in doing it for the sake of doing it. Now, there's one coming up in California next month in the Reagan Library uh, and they've raised the bar a little bit. I don't know if Chris Christie will make the next one, even I think it might be just DeSantis. Scott, Haley, and Ramaswamy. Um and and Pence. Why, why wouldn't Christie go? Because you you have to get three percent in certain prescribed polls and you also have to have, I think it's over fifty thousand unique donors. In twenty different states, and I'm not sure if he's there, but he, you know, like he he might be close to it. He might just get over it, but certainly Hutchinson and and the other guy, the bloke from North Dakota, they're not going to be anywhere near it. Uh, so I I think in a way that it's um, you know, and Pence surprised me last night because he's he's so. God, he's so tedious. But he did actually come across as I thought maybe he's had a blood transfusion, <laughs> or maybe a cup of coffee, or good God, maybe coffee, someone yeah. gave him a drink. A Red Bull. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but he seemed he's actually seemed to have a modicum of I wouldn't go so far as saying passion, but a modicum of of something uh, you know, that it was entirely absent during his entire vice presidency. And even where he went, um, well. Who thinks I did the right thing or whatever, and kind of put them on the spot? It was kind of a smart thing to do because you couldn't say you were wrong on stage; it, it, you just couldn't. Uh, but but and then you know the sound is going. I got no beef with Mike. It's like <laughs> another mob goon. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like what is wrong with that guy? But you know, Christy, I think. It was amusing to me because when Christie started endorsing him and praising him, you could see Pence going, no, 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 you're okay. No, Don't, don't want your help. Don't want your help, Chris. Everyone hates yeah. you. <laughs> Stay away yeah. from me. But, but I think yeah. that it was an interesting moment where he made everyone go from pretty well the prevailing uh, narrative which is Mike Pence traitor hang Mike Pence to yes Mike Pence you know patriot and person who did the right thing and it was kind of a nifty little U turn that he he executed there on stage so i think even though the whole thing was a bit pointless and a bit futile you kind of got an idea that god if trump did go away at some point the republican party I mean, it has, I think, irretrievably lurched to the right. I don't think that's going to correct ever, you know. But but that some of the craziness, you know, that you know you can have, you can have. Um, I think people like Nikki Haley who have very traditional conservative positions, and you know that's an ideology that you mightn't agree with, but you can respect. Um, but but um, at the at the moment, I feel that the party is just—they don't know who they are. There's such an identity crisis, and they're just hanging on. For Trump, And I think, but interestingly, I spoke to two people who work with the the Freedom Caucus, which is the most right-wing and the most pro-Trump and the biggest um, sort of powerful group of Republicans in Congress. And they both said to me the same thing, which was that there's a sort of a creeping ambivalence about Trump. And I think just getting back very quickly to, I've always thought there's something about Georgia and there's something about that, Going to a prison, you know, going to one of the worst prisons in America by all kinds, and certainly the worst prison in Georgia, this place is notorious. It's it's appalling. And for Trump to be going into a prison in the back door, getting the fingerprints done, getting the mug shot, and he'll be up there in the rogues gallery with all the other ones, you know. And I think that's much more of a leveller because there is something abstract, I think, about federal cases. There's something abstract about, yes, people know classified documents, etc., but it does seem a little bit victimless. You know, and I think that when you have witnesses, if you have witnesses in a state trial, which will be televised, and we've said this before, you know, died in the wool Republicans like Brad Raffensperger and, you know, who was totally pro-Trump. Um, you know, in the run up to 2020 and um, people like Ruby Freeman, the mother and her daughter, Shea Ross, who were, who had to leave their own homes just because they worked as election workers. And Rudy Giuliani picked on them because they were black women, one passed a suite to the other. And he said it was one of those little drives, um, you know, that was a USB port loaded up with false material. He has since admitted that he, he lied, he made it up, you know, and, but their lives were destroyed. And so I think Flor Georgia, wasn't victimless in the same way. I think that if you see people like that as witnesses in the dock testifying, testifying about the impact, and you know, Trump, I don't know if he will take the stand or not, but certainly people will be able to see this unfold. Now, I don't know if this will unfold, before next year. But I, to me, this is the one. Um, and I think, yes, January 6th, I think, yeah, the, you know, Smith probably has a slam dunk with, with the documents, but but um, nobody really cares about about New York and the hush money. Uh, but but I think that this might be the one that because it's a Republican state, these are Republicans. They can't just say they're all crazy Democrats. And Trump did this to his own people to a large degree. So I, I don't know. I, I think but that... when um, you say for-
2: might be the one...
1: Yeah. What does what does that
2: mean? Like
1: might I be the one that, what? That that sort of you know, I think the Trump thing is going to be a, a bit like the old joke about bankruptcy, that you know, it, it happens very, very slowly at first and then it happens very, very quickly at the end. And I think that when Trump support starts to erode, that you know, and I think it's already crumbling almost imperceptibly, but I, 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 I'll get back to what I was saying about the, these Freedom Caucus staffers and they, one of them said to me that, you know, well, you know, kind of it's not as cut and dried as it was, as in the Trump, you know, in the tank for Trump, a thousand percent unthinkingly. And that, yeah. you know, that even the Freedom Caucus, which is the Marjorie Taylor Greens, which, well, I think she got kicked out of it now, but the Matt is the Jim Jordans, all those, eh, that even they are feeling a bit like, Oh Jesus you know i mean like that if if somebody knew who could win who they really thought could win would come along i you know that that they might just be relieved to actually send the whole other thing packing because it's a mess it's a mess and i don't think that many republicans really believe even though biden is not going to be a great candidate but that if you have biden put up against you know trump with the mug shots with all of the indictments with everything else and it's not about the 35% of of republicans who are going to vote for trump anyway or the 70% of republicans it's about the independents because yeah trump can win the primary he can romp home absolutely you know with without you know with the nearest person uh, you know in a different county practically but winning the election will be very different and you know, for Republicans, they, they need a winner at this stage. And, and I think that there's a kind of a dawning realisation that Trump probably isn't it.
2: Wow. Well, Marion, we have an awful lot more to get to in the second half of our show, including the Tucker Carlson interview that we mentioned at the start. Oh, yes, Some Joe really, Biden's really skinny legs. some really revealing and some really funny moments from it we always do this every single week on the show Uh, there's a full extra 30 minutes of conversation and deep dive discussion into the stories that maybe aren't making the headlines over this side of the atlantic ocean Uh, come on over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad for the price of a pint a month you can gain access to it all and the full back catalogue Ten years of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad.
0: Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Do you think Epstein killed himself sincerely? I think he probably uh, committed suicide. He was killed. You I think, think so? I think the more the closer you look I'm not a conspiracy person at all. The bus will go here and then the bus will go there because that's what buses do and it's weird the whole <laughs> thing is weird. Chris Wallace, he was the moderator. Not a friend. I said why did why is it? he wants to be Mike but he doesn't have the talent. It's one He's of those bitchy little, little man. Don't they have to kill you now? I th- we lost 35,000 people because of the mosquito. Most of the states have so much water, you know, it comes out of heaven, right? They have uh sinks where no water comes out. You turn it on, no water comes out. Wait, they have sinks where no water comes sure. out. Sure, you hear the great state of Georgia is not capable or allowed to tabulate their votes. How do you get indicted, you know, every week and stay I cheerful? Know. And Hillary Clinton goes crazy every time she talks. She says he's not the president, Jimmy Carter so he's not the president. Well, I am the president. Do you think we're moving towards civil war? January 6th was a very interesting day because they don't report it properly. There was love in that. There was love and unity. So do you think it's possible that there's open conflict? Uh, There's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen. And that's probably a bad combination.
2: What for you was the funniest moment of this interview? And what was the most telling moment from this interview
1: you know I have to admit I flicked through it because I the, the Tucker Carlson and 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 Donald Trump together it's it's too much it's just too much but I did flick <laughs> through it and the bits that okay when Trump said about Joe Biden apart from Tucker Carlson weirdly bringing up Joe Biden's skinny legs I just thought what is what is wrong with these men? wrong with them. Uh, but <laughs> but they, uh, when he said he wasn't sure if Biden would get to the starting gate in uh, you know for, for November 2024, and I just looked and I thought, kettle pot. Because yeah. Joe Biden is 80. Okay. And he's, you know, he's probably shuffling along to the starting gate. Donald Trump, you're 77, and you're waddling along to the starting gate. Never mind yeah. your newly spelt 215 pounds official weight. Yeah. Um, and I thought, like, 100%. you would you think he was a 35 year old, you know, I don't know, triathlon <laughs> champion or something. You think he was the Iron Man? I mean, I was yeah. Just, like, and
2: Joe Biden what? isn't under the strain like, of all of these. It. All of these yeah. indictments. Joe Biden's yeah. just getting on with his job.
1: Yeah, but but the whole like, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know if he's going to get there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you you almost like the audacity is kind of jaw dropping I- I- in a weird way. And 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 but then the other moments, the extreme thing was bizarre because what I got from that was Tucker Carlson wanted. Biden, not wanted Biden, wanted Trump for whatever reason to talk about why Bill Barr, it was all Bill Barr, Bill Barr, when he was talking about Epstein. Now, you may remember we chatted about in this show before how Jeffrey Epstein was hired by Bill Barr's father. Uh, When Bill Barr's father was principal of the Dalton School, which is the most elite school in New York, and Mm -hmm. uh, Epstein was a 22-year-old college dropout. No qualifications. Dad was a gardener out in Brooklyn. Uh, Bill Barr's father, Don Barr, was a notorious elitist snob. He wasn't given to hiring you know, working class Jews from Brooklyn because the Dalton School, it was all Oxford, you know, graduates and it was all Ivy League. And suddenly uh, Jeff Epstein is working as a teacher in this school and age 23. And I had a friend who was there at the time. She was a student at the time. She was about 14 or 15. And so they all remember him coming in in this shearling coat, with the medallion and the hairy chest and the flares and the platform and everyone's like going, who the hell is this guy? And of course, all the, you know, the, the, it, for for that kind of uptight wasp school, it was a kind of a, you know, the, the kids could talk about nothing else. But then um, Bill Barr's father resigned quite abruptly and Epstein was fired like within a matter of days afterwards. And I thought if you listen to what Tucker Carlson was saying there and he kept going, Bill Barr, Epstein, why didn't Barr, what do you think Barr, Epstein? And to me i think he was trying to go trump into saying something into making some kind of a a i don't know what kind of a statement but i also thought what was interesting was that trump seemed to me in some ways more cautious than usual and i think that maybe he was afraid to say too much although you know when he spoke about democrats as filthy animals all that i thought oh my god this this is just appalling but I thought that in, I felt he was kind of legally fireproofed, that he was being careful for once not to get himself into any more legal jeopardy, you know, to make sure that he didn't violate the terms of his bond in in Georgia, which were set out Um, very, very clearly. And to me, he seemed almost a little bit cautious um, on that and and really no harm at all, you know, but... but, um, so, I thought it seemed think, very
2: heavily edited as well. Would you agree that it was yeah. pre-recorded, unlike the triumphant yeah. Ron DeSantis <laughs> live stream? But, uh, <laughs> let's just call it Twitter. I, I just hate this X thing. I know. It's I know. Twitter. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's the different. people that built Twitter is, deserve that at the very least. Uh, he he's, This is pre-recorded, as you say, in this kind of uh, movie set of a crap sauna Uh, and it did seem to me knowing what I know about editing that lots of stuff got cut would you agree
1: yeah and you know what which makes it all the more inexcusable that it was so bloody boring because yeah. it was just either weird or boring so boring. Or boring or weird. It, I mean, there was nothing in it. And you could see, like I said, Carlson trying to get the clickbait, trying to get the sensational, mm-hmm. you know, are they going to kill you? You know, Pepsi, blah, blah, blah. And, and it just wasn't working. I mean, to paraphrase. It did, Club, work in the
2: sense no Marian, it did work in the sense that what Carlson got was loads of little Claudius. pieces of sushi that could be run on the conveyor belt that we all scroll through. And then when you actually go to the restaurant, (laughs) you're like, oh, it's just (laughs) that. It's it's literally just one sentence, then that sentence. Uh, You know, I think your analogy earlier is so spot on about the, the parents and the party and what it's left with, because dealing with, all of that junk food sushi, uh, day in, day out, another issue, then this, look at this, what's this? There is no big picture. You can't have a wide lens. And it it does seem, and certainly in the Carlson interview, that at the start, and you remember the start, draining the swamp, it was about revitalizing what we understood Washington and politics to be, even if that was just lip service. It was a bigger lens. Now yeah. it is just this grudge and this grudge and this person and that person. I'm, if you, as he as said, right. if you were wronged, I'm going to, I'm going to write it for you. Yeah.
1: And it is entirely like I haven't heard Trump mention a single thing about a policy barely on the campaign, apart from, you know, a couple of threats against immigrants, maybe. But it's all, it is all about retribution. He's not offering anything this time around except, by God, I'll get those bastards. <laughs> when I get back in there, they're going to be sorry. You know, Which, and that's really his well. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: But, is, but is it is it enough? Uh, that's, that's the question is is it enough as you say it's not as cut and dry people aren't in the bank for for trump now you feel like this situation in fulton county is likely to split his support or am i like is all this just ridiculous that at the end of the day when you put people in front of a ballot box uh, they they will they will vote for him, even if it makes no sense.
1: Honestly, it's I think I feel his support is softening now. I felt this from talking to people, as I say, in the last couple of weeks in Georgia, in Florida, in Iowa, that that you know there are still the absolute diehards who like who to, for whom anyone even challenging Trump in this race are just traitors. They're traitors and they have no business challenging Trump because Trump won and he's the incumbent, etc. So you've got those people who are so absolutely a thousand percent as I said, just in the tank for Trump and they won't even consider anyone else. But that's probably about half the party, if it is that. And as I say, amongst the other half, maybe I think there were probably about another 10% a year ago who have now softened, who are now going, well, you know, maybe it's time for somebody else, or, you know, I really like Trump, but I'm not sure it's going to be a good idea to vote for him again. And I did hear a lot of that as well. So it was kind of 50-50. Now, this is completely non-scientific, but it's based Mm. on like dozens dozens and dozens of conversations in different states um, with, you know, committed Republicans. And uh, and I, I just, as I say, I got more of a kind of a creeping ambivalence. Now, I don't think, is it going to be enough for Ron Sanders or Nikki Haley to win? No, I really don't think so. Not unless something happens to Trump and he's out of the race, as I said, for health reasons, for whatever reasons. And I think that this is why they're kind of keeping the gig going because you need an understudy, you know, you need a vice President yeah. and you need an understudy. And I think that this this is sort of the point of these debates almost that they're just an audition for that. But I think that it's who knows what will happen in the coming months? I mean, the first primary is still what the, you know August, January 15th in, in Iowa, that's the caucus. Uh, there's no guarantee Trump will win the Iowa caucus. It also doesn't really matter if he doesn't. And um, in uh, New Hampshire, independents are allowed to vote in Republican primaries, uh, which is again, where I think Nikki Haley could do pretty well. She could get a lot of independence. Uh, So nothing is a sure thing, but I still can't see at the moment, as of today, I can't see how Trump could be beaten by any of these um, challengers. But I also can't see of today how Trump could win the election in 24 and that's even with Joe Biden who is a weak candidate notwithstanding that you know he's he he's just a weak candidate and and you know it's not just his age it's it's that he just has a sort of a lethargy about him that he's always kind of had, you know, in, in since I've known him. And yes, he might be a nice guy and a decent guy or whatever to some degree. But, you know, and the economy, yes, it is turning around. It is taking off. But again, everyone I'm talking to is saying their mortgages are the highest that they've been in 20, 30 years. Everything's expensive. Petrol's expensive again. Um, nobody seems to be feeling the... The first time I came to the States, it was in the Clinton um, final Clinton years. And people were like, it, there was a weird thing because even if people weren't benefiting directly from the boom, they were feeling better. At the moment, people aren't feeling better. They might be getting more money. They might There might be more jobs, but it just doesn't seem that people are feeling this economic turnaround, which on paper is absolutely happening, but it just isn't filtering down. So I don't know, again, with that. With, yeah. um, Like, yes,
2: like I I always think that about economics and from this tiny bit of study I did of it back in the day was, you know, we expect it all at once. The figures are there. So therefore, if X, then Y. But it just like when the Celtic Tiger crashed, it took a while. People were like, it's not a crash. It takes a while. I think the longer it goes on, the better people will start to feel, and that yes, there are those yeah. that are feeling it, but similarly, Marion, the you know the consumer confidence poll inverted commas, it never takes into account those that are feeling it but can't say it because loads of others aren't. When you're here and you're in a cost of living crisis, you're not going to go. I'm actually doing really well here. And that's. I don't know what everybody else is going on about. I'm having the time of my life, and I'm going on two more holidays this year. It, it is. It, it is a gradual thing, and I say that on my second holiday here in Kerry, and I'm and I'm not feeling it just yet. Um, I, I do need to to ask you though about you know your your travels. I feel like we need to talk more about you know, you, you, these excursions you're going on around America and the picture you can give us of the lives of those yep. people. Like, um, what What are they, uh, as outside of the economy, stupid, what are they concerned with? Are they aware of things like, uh, you know, the ex- assassination of Yevgeny uh, uh, Prognovs? How do I pronounce that, Marion? You, you give me a guide there in, uh, in the Ukraine.
1: Yeah, you, you, uh, yeah, I, I because it's P or I G. I always get the first part wrong. In the saying but but the, we'll we we'll call it the bad yeah, Okay, we got it. Yeah, um, the, are they you even know, aware of that? I don't think that it really registers. I. It's interesting that the, the most recent poll on Ukraine, which I think is something of a relief for Biden, says that about forty percent think it should stay the level of help should stay as it is. About 36% say it should stop or be less. And about 20% say there should be more. So that's kind of a decent endorsement um, for Biden, but it's not on people's minds. Okay. When I was talking to people, as I say, all around these places, um, it's mortgages, it's rent, it's the price of rent and it's the price of your mortgage because if your mortgage is now 7% and it was 2% two years ago, you know, the interest rates that's a big chunk, you know Mm -hmm. and then if if interest rates have gone up on everything, your car loan, your credit cards, your everything, you know, and then as I say, petrol, which is always the one here that's gotten more expensive again so that's what people are talking about but I did, I have to say, I had a couple of fascinating adventures, so I'm digressing here and I'll briefly recount one of them. Uh, I was down in Florida. Now, I don't know if you know, but I kind of love wildlife and nature and all that stuff. So I was in Florida and I hadn't been to the Everglades before. And every year in August in Florida, which I may may not have mentioned, uh, they have this competition called the Florida Python Challenge. Now, the Florida Python Challenge came about about six or seven years ago, and the reason it came about was that the Everglades in Florida have been completely taken over by Burmese pythons. And they're an invasive species, they're not native, and they have eaten basically every other bit of wildlife in the Everglades, which is 1.5 million acres in total. It's the whole bottom of the peninsula of Florida. And so the the ecosystem, it's one that greatest natural water filtration systems in the world, or at least it was, it's not anymore. But anyway, it's it's. so I went down there and there were these guys, so I um, decided, would this be a bit of fun now, a little bit of an insight to take part in this challenge. So I got in touch with these two chaps, Jake Willary and uh, Steve Gauta, and they hold the record for having caught the biggest Burmese python in the Everglades, which was 19 foot long. And they caught it and they wrestled (laughs) it and then they basically humanely, because, um, you know, a a bullet in the back of the head, snakes with very small brains and and it was over. And, you know, I'm really squeamish about hunting, but when you have a situation like this where 90% of the deer, raccoons, marsh rabbits, birds, everything has been eaten by these so and so's, you know, and the only thing that's left now is pythons, yeah. basically alligators and crocodiles. So th- th- there is a really good reason to to call them, and uh, you know, it, it. I think, but it's probably too late. And where it all came from is kind of fascinating because back in the eighties, when. Florida was just wall-to-wall drug barons and cocaine barons and they actually call the, all the, the cocaine that gets dropped from the sky in square parcels into the sea, they call it um, square groupers, you know, groupers of Florida fish and they just look like they float along and you know you've, you've, you've all these theories that Florida sharks are now addicted to cocaine because they keep eating it <laughs> in the water and going it and you know, but whatever so anyway um, the Everglades is, is now these conservationists believe it's dying, and they're very passionate about it. There was one guy I spoke to, again, I'm digressing. He's known as Python Cowboy. His name is Mike Kimmel. And he basically does all these YouTube videos. And he's kind of the god down there to all of these other snake catchers because quite recently, and he videoed it, of course, and it's all on YouTube because if you don't video it, it doesn't happen. And he was catching a snake in the swamp and the snake turned around. It was a 15 foot python, 135 pounds or something. And it, it they strike back, like they'll turn around and strike very quickly at you. And it struck his arm, caught an artery and a bunch of veins. And so he's there with one arm just spurting blood. It was like a snuff movie, like just gore fest all over the snake, all over the place. And with the oh, other God. hand, he's holding on to the snake and then he's trying to tie an, a tourniquet around his arm with his teeth. And anyway, eventually he, he manages to keep the snake, catch the snake, goes to the hospital, and the doctors apparently tell him, you know, literally another five minutes, buddy, and it's all over for you because you've lost so much <laughs> blood. So he's so, but everyone down there thinks he's a god. It's like, oh my God, Python Cowboy. But he's actually, you know, it all sounds like something out of a Carl Heisen novel. And I'm writing about it in this week's business post. But this guy is actually a really smart, articulate guy, and he's passionate about conservation. Uh, so then the two guys that I went out with, uh, as I say, Jake and Steve, so not what you'd expect to find in the middle of the swamp in Florida. Like One of them is a medical student and his father is a very well-known surgeon. And he just came back from four months in the Philippines where he's working in a clinic. The other guy's a finance student, but they love hunting and they love the Everglades and they grew up there. So they go out. At, so we went out at about eight o'clock at night, uh, just as the sun was going down. And the place during the day, it's so boring. You know, like you drive through and it's just swamp and marsh and mosquitoes and nothing else. But at night... It just comes alive and the stars, there's no there's nothing out there for one and a half million acres. So the sky is just the stars are so vivid. I don't think anywhere else I've been, even in parts of Africa where there was nothing, I've never seen stars as clear. And then the sound of all the swamp critters and the alligators and the frogs and the crocodiles and everything, it's just this cacophony. So it was kind of beautiful. Now we caught a couple of snakes. We didn't catch any big pythons, but we were out there and there were a couple of Marines actually. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the bit I wasn't going to tell you. Okay. So we're out in the. We're out in, in this truck until three o'clock in the morning, and it's one of those big pickup trucks with a flatbed, and we're all sitting perched on the back, like no seatbelts, no nothing, you know, no safety measures at all. And it, you know, it's swerving around corners, and we're going at high speed, and then we're not, and then, um and there are eight of us, and you know, it's a couple of Marines, and it's me, and it's the other guys, and you know, there, there's. There's no politics, which is fantastic. Now, it's not to say that I didn't get the impression that there wouldn't be many Biden votes in that truck. Let me tell you, but there was. So it was so you as know, in so politics, you can't
2: are not allowed. You're not allowed to talk about politics. That's the understanding.
1: You know, it was just much healthier because everybody was out there for this kind of experience with nature, and you know, I think they all knew their politics. Uh, you know, I, th- I think there was yeah. a sense amongst all of them like we all know, we all know where we're voting. But I find a lot of times. And this is it, how America used to be. You would hang out a lot with people who had... You disagreed All kinds of different, you know, and it didn't matter it down because they were good, decent people and, and that was all that was to it. So anyway, we're, we're going along and they're all drinking, you know, it, it's 90 degrees at night, the humidity is just shocking. There are mosquitoes just eating us alive. Uh, but anyway... Um, all the guys, of course, are dropping, jumping off the back of the pickup truck every five minutes to go for a pee. One of them landed in an, an anthill, which was mildly amusing. But anyway, I shouldn't have laughed because Did I you got mine right dr- there. they're
2: drinking booze while, while, they're, while well, they're, they're, doing they're doing all
1: this? Are- and and waters and, and energy drinks and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Now there are hillbillies okay. who go out there with ARs, and you know, as Python Cowboy said, they just try and shoot at everything, but they're not they, they've kind of stopped them from coming out now. So it's not nearly as hillbilly as it used to be. It's it's a it's a much more disciplined thing now. But anyway, so we were out hunting, we were out hunting until three, half three in the morning, six or seven hours in the back of the truck. And I had to get back to where I was staying uh, because Hunter Biden had just had the special counsel appointment or whatever. And anyway, and I was absolutely, after having had about four litres of water, I needed to use the bathroom quickly. And there's no house doubling off the side of the truck with six Marines standing there watching. Me. So, anyway, <laughs> so I get back to my car. They drop me back, um, and it's in the middle of the swamp, like middle of nowhere, uh, where I had dropped it off on a side road. and. They're all going, will you be okay? Will you be okay? You know, they really are good guys. I was like, of course, you know, they were going to carry on hunting until dawn. Uh, So I get into the car. And of course, I do what I always do, Charles, which is I get lost immediately. I take a wrong turn straight (laughs) into the swamp and I'm driving around and around and around and around for 30 miles. And meanwhile, I think my kidneys are going to rupture. So I think I just have to get out of the car. I just have to get out. and I just have to have a pit stop on the side of the road. And that's all that's to it. But like I said, it's the middle of the it's pitch dark. So I'm doing it, and the relief is, let me tell you, Norms. and the <laughs> next thing is a frigging crocodile. A crocodile comes no. shooting out from behind me, like literally right behind. And uh, I can't oh eat, I'm actually gosh. even now reliving it. Charges across the road, they really move fast. It was probably, no. at least it was the width of the road, so it was probably, its head was the size of a coffee table. And um, I mean, a big coffee table, not a small one. And so it charged the crawls, And I think I got, I don't know who got the bigger fright, actually. Smear <laughs> the crocodile. But anyway, uh, it charged the crawl, And then it does this kind of new turn. And apparently you're not supposed to make contact, eye contact with, with crocodiles. But it was too late <laughs> because I was so transfixed. But I was there and I was staring at it and it was staring at me. And the door of the car, I'd left it open. Um, just, you know, because it was basically, it was a Tesla, about 3% of the battery left, and I thought, if I turn this off, it's never will going to start again. So anyway, um, so the crocodile then looks at the car, the open door, and I went, oh jeez, he's going to try and get into the car. For some reason, this is my big concern, <laughs> he was going to hijack the car. <laughs> and it shows <jokes> me what <laughs> fear, <laughs> irrational fear, will too. So anyway, he then charged, but this time he charged towards the front of the car, so I ran around the back, and literally just managed to get in and slammed the door shut. And then he just stopped at the side. And the weird thing is, a bit like old python cowboy, except for I still have an arm intact, I thought, if I don't video this, no one's going to believe me. And so, uh, unfortunately, I realised I'd make the world's worst wildlife video because all you can see is the thing shaking, the crocodile me going, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my I God. actually thought... Of all the bloody things. So I was talking to Jake, one of the guys the next day, so he called to make sure I got back okay. And eventually I did. Um, and I said, What are the chances that I would have freaking peed on a crocodile, basically? And he said, Well, actually, they're very high because there are about 3,000 crocodiles in the Everglades, as well as about a million alligators. So the chances are actually very, very high. It wasn't all that surprising. And I just, but you know, it's, it's, um, There's something about, I kind of get because they were explained to me earlier that yes, they're conservationists, but they mainly do it for the adrenaline rush. Because when you're wrestling with a snake, a python that's, you know, 20 foot long and is 14 inches wide and is just muscle and power, that there is a bit of a thrill. Because if you, you know, if you don't hang on, it's over basically for you. And I have to say, I'm not saying I'm going to run out and do it again next weekend, but I've never got such an adrenaline jolt in my life. And i, don't, I don't know what uh, With your
2: trousers but. around your ankles. Uh, indeed. <laughs> There's a vulnerability in holding a snake by the neck. And no I've got to do this. But when the pants are, are down by the ankles. That's another level.
1: <laughs> <down>.
2: <laughs> okay so i don't Anyways. know if that is your recommendation of the week to get out into the everglades and take your chances <laughs> on the get side of the road
1: <laughs> i know i know what my recommendation my my... is
2: i know i, I want to <laughs> really recommend people download fresh air from npr terry gross's absolutely legendary uh, oh, yeah. radio show on npr now this week one of the things you have to look forward to is ronan farrow speaking to terry about elon musk's influence in ukraine uh we listened to an amazing conversation about ai and how it's basically built for fake news and the creation of fake news yeah. and of course there's a brilliant interview with christopher nolan talking about oppenheimer that's that's a good chunky yes. interview and that's back from the 14th of august but there's just so much there to choose from what would you like to recommend before I'm, we go Mary? you
1: I actually, this was one of the things that I'm so glad you reminded me, was Ronan Farrow's interview with Elon Musk in The New Yorker, which you can easily access online, is absolutely, and it's chilling and fascinating and brilliant, and the, the, the amount of power that he controls, as in, it explains about the satellites in the Ukraine and when you know the, the only way Ukraine could base because Russia downed all its 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 telecommunications immediately, mm. and the only way they could get orders to the front line was through these satellites that were, belonged to Elon Musk basically, and then he threatened to cut them all off, and you had the American Department of Defense basically pandering to Elon Musk and you know this one person like the power that he has and we're not just talking about the power he has with his you know the the, the space program or the cars or the EVs or the whatever the power that he exerts for one person is chilling and it's alarming and particularly when it's somebody who's so mercurial who's so capricious and who's such a man child at you know, for so much of the time, and and you know, I think Roland Farrell, Roland Farrow I beg your pardon, has done some terrific writing over the years on important things. And I think that New York interview—you'll read it in half an hour—but it's so interesting. So I would say get that online. Um, and uh, and so we have two so American uh, NPR two, two and the great
2: yeah. and two great pieces of journalism, like we were just yeah, discussing. How great an interviewer Terry Gross. Is and Ronan or Farrow I mean, Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, Ronan Farrow complete legend we were recommending vampire movies with Nicolas cage last week so you get a little bit of everything here in the recommendation section it's a mixed bag yeah we will talk to you next week and get another story from the road in the in the bonus section here on patreon thanks to all our patrons to all the patrons that came back after the little break in july uh thanks for all the birthday messages thanks to tina and mikey for making it all possible and we'll talk
1: to you next week Marion. thanks a lot Thank you, Charlotte. And, Charlotte, a belated, I didn't say that beginning, a belated happy birthday to you. And ah, thank, thank God for having much. a break and, and fun down and Kerry. We'll talk soon, dear. Okay, talk all soon. the best.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is a miracle. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You
0: encourage